Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Welcome to Diddy TV. I'm your host, Lee Warren, and tonight we're joined with some incomparable, incredible, fantastic, fantastic, one-of-a-kind, well, maybe two-of-a-kind entertainers who are just superstars in their own right. That's right. Two guys from the Bar Case. I'll tell you who they are. It's James Alexander and Larry Dodson. Hey, James. How you doing, Larry? I'm cool. What's I don't on, know man? what we can What's do behind on, that introduction. Well, me. you know, that introduction is meant from a sincere <laughs> standpoint. And let me tell you, I know you guys and uh, you're phenomenal, incredible performers. But we're here to talk to you with our global audience tonight and really learn a little bit about the Bar Caves. The Bar Caves, 50 years of music. 50 years, wow. my God. 50 years, and you guys, we're all looking good after the 50 oh, years because I was jamming <laughs> with you. <laughs> I was jamming it. with you 50 yes. years ago. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But listen, man. I mean, we're very pleased to have you here. Thank you. Uh, we really want to uh, to really start off and and know a little bit about the history, the legacy of the Bar Kays, and really how it started. But you know, 1964, two great groups started: the Beatles and the Bar Kays. B and B. How about that? B and B. Or maybe we should say That's the Bar Kays and the Beatles. That's comp good company. That's good company. I'll let my partner James sort of tell you. Take us back to 1964. Take us back, well, James. Well, you know, actually, uh, Lee, we started when we were in junior high school. Man, uh, we had this idea. You know, we had this idea. You know, we all were going to different schools. Uh, some of us went to Porter, and some of us went to uh, you know, Booker Washington, and so forth. So in Memphis, Tennessee. In Memphis, Tennessee, right here. And uh, we just all started hanging out together, and uh, we formed a band. But before that, uh, you know, there was some guys just rehearsing uh, in a guy's apartment. And, uh, the, you know, the way I got into the group uh, is the bass player that they had didn't have a bass. So he used to borrow. <laughs> <laughs> a bass player without a bass? Okay. He didn't have a bass. But I, I had a bass, but I couldn't play it. Okay, okay. <laughs> so so I, used to ride my I used to ride my bicycle over to this rehearsal and let the bass player who didn't have a bass use my bass. And so one day I went to rehearsal and he didn't show up. And so they said, man, uh, we want you to play the bass. And I said, you know what? I can't play it. 
And so it really kind of all started from there. Uh, Jimmy King, a uh, guitar player with the Barcades at the time, taught me a little about bass. And, uh, and you know, I couldn't I couldn't play Mary Had a Little Lamb. Don't don't forget about it's fleece as white as snow. I couldn't play none of that stuff. <laughs> I couldn't play none of it. Uh, uh, but uh, I ended up getting in the band, and that's how I got into. That's how we got into. That's how I got in, involved with the group that ended up being the Barcades, and that was back in 1964. But you know that's amazing because that's so much the underpinning of so many groups. It's it's about timing. It's about mm. timing being in the right place at the right time. And that's what it sounds like that was. Exactly. I mean, there's no doubt. Now, you know, you got the talents because I'll tell you what, you play a mean bass <laughs> now, my brother, you know? Uh, th thank you, man. I mean, you know, I, I, I had the a lot of... playing came later. Yeah, right, 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 right. The playing came later. You know, I was, as they say, I was shucking and jiving. Yeah, first. yeah, exactly. Then, you know, later on, I, I learned how to play a little bit. Well, I, I know that you guys, as you uh, really began uh, getting sort of comfortable with each other playing, that in the early days... Uh, that a very famous performer chose you as the the backup band for his uh, for his singing his talent, Mr. Otis Redding. Is that right? Uh, Otis can't man. You know, uh, back in those days, you know, uh, I don't know if if you know when you came to Memphis, was the Mid South Coliseum still going then? Uh, is, is at the end, probably. It was right? near the end. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, right. Well, mm -hmm. well, back in those days, the Mid South Coliseum was the was the place, man. It was the spot. So they have these what they what you call packet shows, and there'd be nine or ten people on the show, man. You know, it's just the show just run bam, bam, bam like that. And on this show, it was like Otis Redding, it was like Sam and Dave, it was like Arthur Conley, it was like the Manhattans, all of these groups were on the oh show. So God. you know, when these groups do shows at the Coliseum, you know, everybody wants to do something after the show. They want to go down to the, the hot local club in town. Right, right, exactly. And at this particular time, the hot local club happened to be the Hippodrome down on Bill Street. The Hippodrome. Did you ever hear about the, that? Yeah, I, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I, I just like the name. I think the name. I think it's a parking lot now. It was the club. The Hippodrome. Yeah, it was the spot. It, it was, was the yeah. spot. It, it, it had double duty. It served as a skating rink uh, on some days. And on other days, it was a, it was a nightclub, so it had had double duty. So anyway, Otis Redding was one of the people that came Otis. down to the Hippodrome, and he saw these little young cats, uh, you know, who was the bar case. And what amazed him was every song that he called, <clears throat> we knew it. And then he ended up saying, you know what? You know, he started talking to people. You know, he, I think he was talking to Al Bell mm -hmm, and uh, mm -hmm. a, a gentleman that was a big DJ in town around that time. Mr. Perry Allen, he was a big DJ. He okay. was the manager of the club. Okay. And he was talking to us, I need to get this band to be my band. But little did he know that our parents were saying, you know, he was saying yes, our parents were saying no. <laughs> That's what parents do. Mm. Yeah, we they, say no. We do that yeah. quite well. <laughs> you know, we were in, you know, high school and stuff like that, and they said, you know, he said he offered to get us a tutor, but uh, they said, look, these guys are not going anywhere until – they finished school. Right, right. And I'm telling you, Lee, the day, the absolute same day that we graduated, you know, when you throw the hats up in the air. Yeah, yeah, right, the mortarboards. Really yeah. Declare that you really graduated. We left for New York City. Wow. The Apollo and, Theater. Well, you know what? I think we have a little clip, uh, a little piece here with uh, Otis. I don't think it's played yet. Um, uh, I think our folks are going to play that there back in go. there. Wow. Yeah, Ronnie yeah. and Doug. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, uh, there we go. So there's uh, Otis Redding, you guys playing, and uh, he's sort of uh, 
out there singing the way he did, man. And an incredible gentleman, right? Incredible gentleman. I mean, yeah. it's just far beyond uh, his years and age. I mean, you know, uh, you know, it's really hard to imagine that when, when Otis Redding um, passed, he was only 26 years old. 26? 26. And, wow. and the things know that. And the things wow. that he had accomplished, uh, you know, as, uh, you know, just being 26 years old, he had his own publishing company. He, 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 he had already bought a ranch, a 300-acre ranch, which his family still lives uh, on today. Okay. His own and private plane. Yeah. And, and that's in the state. What, what state is the rent? Whereabouts is it? What? It's down. Yeah. It's right outside of Macon, Georgia. Macon, <coughs> Georgia. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. And in fact, he's buried. He's, I mean, he's buried on the ranch. Well, well. So for some of the audience that might not know the story, we'll keep it real short uh, okay. because we want to really talk more about you. But I mean, tell us about that. I mean, about that uh, that fateful night, if you can, just in a clip. Well, it was <clears throat> it was a weekend. We were playing. Uh, we had a couple shows that weekend. In fact, <clears throat> the day before we played a place called Cleveland, before we played Cleveland, Ohio, we played Vanderbilt University. And, Vanderbilt, uh, yeah, Nashville. And uh, actually, believe it or not, we played for John Elkington, who was a local what? Memphian. We, yeah, wow. he, yeah, we played for his fraternity. Okay. We played for his fraternity at at at, uh, at Vanderbilt University. And uh, we left Vanderbilt and we flew to Cleveland, Ohio, mm-hmm. and we played at a place called Leo's Casino. And it's it's really strange because we normally we would spend the night in Nashville, but we left right after the show in Nashville and flew to Cleveland because in Cleveland they had a show going on with the Temptations. This is when they had five members, and the OJ's. And OJ's also had five members. We was we said we want to get to Cleveland right quick so we can see this show. We, our performance wasn't coming up to the next night, but we wanted to get there, and we saw that show, and that was the absolute last show that we did together in, in Cleveland, Ohio. We were scheduled to play in Madison, Wisconsin the next day, but, you know, that's when the plane crash happened. Right, right, and you weren't on the plane, of course, and uh, you're you're here to tell us about that today. We appreciate that, and, and uh, you know, I invite you to, to Google Otis Redding and learn all about that, but uh, we want to talk more about some of the things that happened to you in the early years. Um, I want to say uh, maybe 1967. Is that is that when you guys came out with Soul Finger, or, or am I off Nin- base? 1967 was the year. 1967, mm-hmm. Soul Finger. Let, let me hear it for just a second. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Okay. Just a little bit. Okay. Let me hear it for you just a second. You can huh? do that. Huh? You can do that. Okay. I so wait a minute. Wait. So fin- wait a minute. I can't do it. I'm in the wrong pitch. I mean, soul I can't do finger. Yeah, soul you had to get a finger. Pitch soul <laughs> finger. Soul that's finger. what we want. Soul finger. Yeah, yeah it was higher. It's a, a lot higher. Put in it. <laughs> yeah. See, you guys are the, yeah. the consummate professionals. I'm just trying to chat with you to get you to talk I more mean, about you're, you're uh, what's going good, on. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, um, so Soul Finger came on. Uh, you did that, and I think uh, soon after that uh, was uh, Wattstack, some Soul Train stuff. I mean, tell us no, more no, about no, that. No, 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 no. After Soul Finger, I mean, we, we, had a, we had another record. I mean, it, it wasn't, you know, it didn't end up. Well, we had Knucklehead, which, okay. you know, back in those days, what you do is when, once <laughs> you have a hit record, they just flip it over. You, you know, B-side. Right, the B-side. B-side. Yeah, the B-side, <laughs> yeah. B-side, right. What's the surprise on the B-side? Right. The B-side, yeah, and, and uh, the Knucklehead featured uh, Booker T. Jones, you know, Booker T. and yes, MGs playing absolutely. harmonica. 
Yes, yeah. absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, you guys were affiliated with Stax, obviously, yeah. um, and you uh, played for many performers. I mean, uh, uh, Carla Thomas, uh, uh, some of the other greats that were Rufus coming Thomas, through there. Rufus, uh, the Rufus, emotions, oh my God, the emotions. Isaac Hayes. Isaac, but Johnny of course. Taylor, yeah, Johnny Taylor. Yeah, Johnny Taylor. The Dramatics, uh, Albert King. I mean, some of their, some of their legends. Johnny okay. Taylor, okay, all I of mean, those people. I mean, we, we were we were like, uh, well, they they referred us as kind of like the second string. We were like the second string house band. Okay, I mean okay. Booker T. You know, of course, uh, Booker T and MGs were the you know the main band. But, right, uh, right. The Barcade right. was definitely we, we were up in there. Yeah, what was that like? I mean, you know. Some of our audience will probably sit back and they'll say, you know, I dream of this, I want to do this. But, I mean, at such a young age, I want to get both your perspectives. I'll start with you, Larry. I mean, what was that like? What is that like being at that level where that's happening? Are you even cognizant of it? Okay. So when I joined the band, uh, we began to play, you know, and I've been the only lead singer the band has ever had. So right. Being at, at Stax at that time, surrounded by the likes of Johnny Taylor and mm. Isaac Hayes and all those guys, you're not really, you're in a maze. You know, you're walking around looking at, at the stars, so to speak. Uh, we were sort of the renegade band. We were ahead of our time. All of our music was, you know, viewed by the record company as, oh, women. <laughs> you know, what, what are you doing? You know, right. Uh, so uh, it, it was quite amazing, but at the same time, it was it was a learning experience because we were sponges. We picked up and soaked up so much knowledge and and uh, so much of a good mindset. Yeah, almost like a process of osmosis, just gaining and garnering everything from these incredible people. Yeah, just raw talent. Mm-hmm. Right. And and Memphis is is very much like that. I mean, you know, there's a lot of uh, raw talent. I think we're getting your mic to get back on there. Stay with us. That's all right. But uh, we're going to get this mic back up. But it's just raw talent, right, Larry? I mean, just wow. And you guys included. And James, what's your perspective on being around uh, some of the other performers that were running around the, the halls of stacks, if you will? You know, Lee, man, believe it or not, you know, I'm, I'm a different type of guy. But I, I wasn't even really thinking about it at all. I mean, I was just kind of like, uh, you know, I was doing what you call get in where you fit in. Right, right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't, I, wasn't really, I wasn't really thinking too much about who it was. You know that's a title of a song. What, get in get where, in you, where fit you fit in? in. I mean, that's a good one. So remember that. Coin that I remember one, okay? that, yeah, okay. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. there you go. But go that's ahead. That's what we record on you, right? Yeah, that's right. Exactly, okay. exactly. Right. But uh, so you were you were trying to get in where you fit in. So you're just like really just being there. You were sort of unaware of it, but it was all happening at the same time. Yeah, oh, it was great, man. I mean, you, you know, like, you know, really, I mean, this is a true story. You know, uh, we, we talk about this all the time. This is one you probably don't know. One of the ways that I got in, Duck would just deliberately not show up for a session so I could play on the session. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you know, they're getting ready to start a session and it says, Where's Duck? Right. And you're talking and, about uh, and, Duck and, Dunn. Uh, and, and, yeah, Duck Dunn. Duck Dunn, yeah, right. And mm-hmm. Duck would not be there and they said, Well, I guess we have to 
Duck is not here, so we got to go with Nook. Right, right, right. Well, sometimes we have to, you know, this is live TV, and sometimes yeah. things happen, but we're getting this thing back together. So hey, this side, we're going to keep, keep it moving. We keep it rolling. So Duck moving. might not show up, but, I mean, uh, you guys just had to sort of, like, improvise. Yeah. Do your thing. No, but Duck, I mean, he, he, you know, he, yeah, he just sometimes deliberately did not show up so I could get in. And then uh, the only thing about it, when they started you. That's not that's not funny, but when they started using me, then they wanted to use me more. But that's okay, though. We, we just switched up like that. Listen. I mean, it was all good. It was all love, though. No, nothing wrong with that whatsoever. That's a good yeah. thing. Um, you know, as we sort of advance forward, um, tell me, uh, Larry, and sort of run me up between the years of that and then going into Wattstacks. Because when was Wattstacks? I mean, when, when, when did that hit? Wattstacks was 1972, right, James? Uh, 72, somewhere around 72. I've been in the band year. for two years. We had done the Black Rock album, which to this day has probably been one of the most iconic albums we've ever done. Right, right. Uh, Watch Stacks was, was a situation in which we rehearsed for probably more than we've ever rehearsed for anything we've ever done. You know, our producer that, at that time was Alan Jones, who was, all, who was mm-hmm. also our manager. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'll tell you a little quick, funny story. Sure. If you notice in White Stacks, we had an all white. Yes, yes. I think okay, we got some Okay, so clips here's of... something that didn't happen that was supposed to happen. Okay. We actually had rented white a white chariot and white horses to ride into the stadium on. But Isaac Hayes, rest in peace, he found out about it. And he said, oh, hell no. <laughs> That just ain't gonna happen. We would have upstaged. We would have upstaged. It would have been over with. Had we done that, you know, so uh, that didn't happen. But that's that's a true story, though. We went to Metro Golden Mayor, found the chariot, yeah, found the horses, right, 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 right. right. Funny story. He didn't say no. He said, "Oh, oh hell, hell no. no," which is how we say it, right? <laughs> he said okay. word to the hotel. The hi, we were on Sunset Boulevard. He said, "No way." Well, well, you know, speaking of that, I mean. Who behind the scenes, including yourselves, I mean, are there other folks who come up with all this great choreography and the vision to just be so theatrical? Because actually, it's almost like you're watching a, a, a play. It's theater, it, like almost being thespians or something. I mean, you've really got to be creative in your minds to do some of the things that you guys were doing and that you still do today. Alan Jones, he, he instilled it in us. He always told us, guys, it's all about show business. He was the idol maker. I mean, he was the idol maker. He kept us in the mindset of keeping our weight down, which you see is you. That, that doesn't happen much more. Yeah. Well, it's 50 years you ago. You guys look at great, At that point, man. I mean, he kept us slim, trim. He put us in a room every day at 10 o'clock till 6 to make us write songs. He taught us the writing process. We rehearsed 10, 12 hours a day, uh, you know, three or four days a week. It, it was just all about work ethics. He always told us that our stage show has got to be good because you're not going to always have records. So thus came the use in the, the using the uh, snakes and the pyro and the theatrical and making their outfits outlandish and doing stuff with your hair. <laughs> yeah. oh, it was always we we were we were a show. People just came to the Barcase concerts to just to see what we were going to do next. Right, exactly. What's the outfit going to be now? Oh, yeah. And we, and we yeah. took we took them there. I have a uh, a friend of mine who's also a co-host on Diddy TV, Rev, and Rev was just telling me that uh, 
he used to know a cat man that had a uh, that had a fro. He was trying to get into a Volkswagen, and he couldn't get into the Volkswagen. His fro was too tall, you know, too big, too big. But I mean, you, uh, I'm telling you, I saw some some uh, some wonderful dudes from back in the day. In fact, I think we've got a couple of photos of them, well, and I'm hoping that yeah, I, I think they're going to be on uh, here in just a second. But uh, uh, if they come up, maybe you guys can describe this. Do we have a? Oh, there we go. Oh, that's a picture no. of white they, stacks. That was the white outfits that we had. Imagine if we had a came in on in, in a white chariot or white horses if we had came into the LA Stadium that's the biggest concert we've ever played in our life to this day 100,000 people were there at that moment in the LA Coliseum LA Coliseum I'll be darned that's amazing that's how they were pretty close to USC or UCLA do you remember uh, uh, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think maybe UCLA. Yeah, yeah. yeah They're right. in town tonight playing basketball. I'll be done. Yep. But you know what? Uh, now, listen, uh, can we go back to the other shot for a second? Uh, is that possible, uh, Ronnie? Uh, James, this is you on the right? On the on the right. That's on the right? The okay. And then, Larry, you're straight in the middle. Straight right? in the middle with the and fringes. The fringes. Uh, okay. And then there's somebody with, like, almost a snowball That's throw. Harvey Henderson. Harvey Henderson is going with the snowball right. throw. Right. Absolutely. Okay. I like and that. And the guitarist was 15 years old. What? He lied to us. He told us. <laughs> told oh, us he told yeah. <laughs> yeah, he he lied to us. He told us he was uh, 18. And then, you know, later we found out, we checked his birth certificate and everything. He was uh, only 15 years old. Whoa. So he could get in the group. Whoa. But he was good, so we kept him. You kept him. Right. But we Absolutely. had to keep him. You know, it was one of the situations where we get through playing, we had to lock him up. Right, right, right. He was right, too right, young right. to be in a club or any kind of exactly. adult environment. He was we all were too young. Actually, that, that's unbridled. He's now preaching. Is that right? That's right. He's now a minister. I'll be darned. That's Reverend, un- Reverend Vernon Birch. Un- unbridled youth. Now, I'm going to tell you guys, I said I had a little surprise for you. Okay. I'm going to ask Ronnie to bring up another shot around that time, around that era. Mm-hmm. And okay. uh, uh, let's see here. Now, you know, my hair is a little bit different now. But, Ronnie, do you have, a, do you have that shot there? I want to show uh-oh, my friends uh-oh, here uh-oh, uh-oh. a little shot if we can find it. Is, is it around? <laughs> oh, it's been censored. Okay, <laughs> somebody on the set saying it's been censored, but uh, it, it'll come up here in a okay, second, and when I'm, it does, I'm, we can, we can chat about that. that. We can chat about that. But, um, you know, uh, with with, uh, with Alan actually um, uh, being such a consummate choreographer and a performer on stage, I mean, that's really part of it. It's, it's musical, but it's entertainment at the same time, and being able to have these various types of functions, if you will, is something that will give your band and any band what you have, which is longevity. Is that right? Absolutely. You take the greats like Michael Jackson and Prince. If you find people who are close to to them, they'll tell you they studied James Brown. They studied uh, Little Richard. They And I'm talking about in, 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 in depth. So they studied the show business aspect of these guys, you know, just what made those guys perfect, what made them tick. And it's the same thing with Alan and the Barcase. He just wanted to keep us different. Right. He wanted to keep us a step ahead of the game. And that's why guys like Rick James would come to our concert and take pictures and and Prince would watch us and a lot of other great bands. Uh, you know, who a, a lot of them went on to ex- exceed the barcades, and that's very good. But they watched us because it was something about the barcades, mm-hmm. always a step ahead. Levert, yeah, like, like, oh, Levert, know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Jer yeah. Levert, all of those guys. Yeah, they. In fact, the first tour that they ever did, they did with the barcades. Uh, uh, you remember the group called Switch? 
Yes, I do. Absolutely. Switch the first tour that they ever did. They did with the Barclays. Mm-hmm. Evelyn Champagne King. Oh, Evelyn. Yeah. The first yeah, uh, wow. first tour she did was with the Barclays. Lakeside. L- well, yeah. Lakeside's out of Dayton, Ohio. My home. But the first time yeah. they ever came yeah. on came yeah. on tour was with the Barclays. With, with yeah, the, the Barclays. South Coliseum, right here in Memphis. I'll be darned. You know, you had you had a lot of uh, funk groups, R and B groups, uh, soul groups like that. You know, when you're talking about. Uh, those groups, I'm sure that you know them all. Cameo, uh, Lakeside, Heat Wave, uh, you know, Sun. I mean, some of those cats I knew. Sun. That yeah, Sun. Sun is here. Sun is here. <laughs> you know, they play them a lot on some of the local uh, uh, radio stations around yeah. here, as they do you guys. And you know, I love it, man. It's like we can go back. Yeah. And that's back in the day when we mm-hmm. could all just sort of like groove. Uh, I don't want to date us too much, but no, I mean, okay. you know. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah, we, we, but I mean, it, they they really sort of uh, oh the photo oh there we go who is there that? we go oh no that's not yeah, you yeah that's that's me get that was out of here that was my that was my El Debarge days you know back in the oh, day wow yeah wow man you know and where you did were that heart throb dude where, where did that heart where did that hair go. You well, know, I told you, I just wait all Were you dancing like too? That. Could you were you could you dance? Oh, I, yeah, I can I can cut it. I can cut it. Get out of here. Step. That's uh, okay. But, but you know what the amazing thing is? Hair today gone tomorrow. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. every everything here today gone everything tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Everything yeah. But we were grooving to your sounds back right. then because, you know, you know, coming from the hot bit of funk as well in Dayton, Ohio was a fun thing. But um, you know, a, as you as you move forward, one of the things that really captures a lot of people's attention, in fact, I saw something on TV this morning, just this morning. There's a guy who was associated with Don Cornelius, and they're doing a book uh, called what do you, Peace, I, I Love, and Soul. I think it was on uh, was uh, the CBS Morning yes, Show or exactly something right. Yeah, earlier, and they were talking about that. And what was that like, man? Because we all, you, it, was, it was multicultural. It crossed a lot of different... Uh, uh, age groups. Uh, it was multi generational. It was just a very amazing show to uh, to see, and you guys were on it probably more than once, right? I mean, we probably was on Soul Train. Probably uh, we we have to rank up there with with just one of being the band that was on Soul Train the most. Because uh, we was with Don Canis when he started in Chicago oh, on the forty wow. third floor in a, in a room. Uh, it, it it definitely wasn't cool as his Diddy TV room. It, I mean, you know, yeah. this is a cool. <laughs> this is a cool spot right here. It definitely wasn't that cool. Yeah. But we started with Don back in Chicago when he was on the forty third floor of uh, of a of a building in Chicago, and 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 we kind of like when he moved out to California, we were one of the first groups to go out to California and record Soul Train uh, for him out in California. In fact. Uh, when Don, you know, by Don being a Chicago guy, when he when he first moved to California, he didn't know a lot of the entertainers. We took him to the studio and introduced him to Sly Stone. Sure did. Mm, mm-hmm. You yeah. introduced him to Sly Stone. Yeah. Wow. I mean, in fact, wow. you know, Sly was in, was in the studio. I mean, you know, if you back in those days, you know anything about Sly? He was dressed to kill. You thought he was getting ready. Uh, to do a a photo shoot for a magazine cover <laughs> or get ready to go on stage. I mean, but he was in the studio working, and uh, he, and Don and Don was in there like just in amazement. Uh, Billy Preston was in the studio with him. Bobby Womack was in the studio with him at that at that time. It was unbelievable. And Don was just like a kid in a candy store. 
Well, you know, the amazing thing about that, too, is uh, that's amazing to me as you think about it, and we look back from a historical perspective. Mm -hmm. I understand that uh, none of the big uh, um, uh, uh, organizations that could run that programming would run it, you know, some of the large uh, networks, I should say. And uh, he basically did that all on his own. I mean, he sort of grew that from below with the help of individuals like yourself, performers, right. to make sure that all, all sort of mixed up in the stew to make it all happen. But, I mean, that's a phenomenal thing what he did because Soul Train was watched. In mm. fact, if they run the reruns, I know you're checking them out. I know you're yeah. checking oh, them out. Absolutely. We're checking them out. Mm. Everybody in here is checking them out, right? Right. Everybody in the studio is checking it out. Mm -hmm. And everybody in Diddy World, too, is just checking Everybody it. in Diddy World is checking it out. And it's really, I mean, those times must have, what was it like to perform on Soul Train? Let me tell you something. There were two or three things that, uh, it, being an entertainer, there was two or three things that sort of said you've made it. One was playing at the Whiskey A Go-Go. Oh, man. I mean, it was, and, and, and the other thing was playing Soul Train. Once you got on Soul Train, it was it, you. You were you've there. arrived. You've arrived. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it, it being entertainer. When you play Soul Train, you have arrived. That's just how big it was in the minds of us, we the entertainers. And I think that's the way the audience felt too. I mean, people got up every if it was Saturday morning or if it oh. was Sunday evening or whenever it was. Soul Train was part of that of the yeah. thing. It's part of right. the soundtrack right. of your life. Right, exactly. Absolutely. Well, right. you know, he, he uh, I think Don Cornelius maybe went off the air with them as the host in 1993. But I remember where I grew up outside of Dayton, Ohio again, they would run Soul Train at 2 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday morning, technically, I mean, Saturday night going into a Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. So after sort of hanging, you'd come back home and you'd flip on Soul Train and, you know, you see the guy with the toothbrush dancing, you know, all the beautiful <laughs> women. I mean, you know, the guys could jam and you'd just say, man, I want to get on The videos go off yeah, in your head, yeah. reminding you where you were, what you were doing. Right. We just played the Soul Train cruise last year, so we're still into it. There you go. And had I known you guys, I might have been able to get on Soul Train See set yeah. and dance a little bit, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? That? I'm yeah. not going to do that on the Diddy set, but I would have done that? it on, you know, I'm, on Soul Train. I, I think that guy we just saw on the on the, on the screen a little while ago, he's been ready for yeah. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we, we could have got you in as an entertainer. Well, well, all my friends that are watching tonight in Ohio knew me as another name, Tico. So oh, watch oh, out, So there boy, you go. You so watch out. Tico. Watch out. Yeah, but let's not talk anymore okay. about that. Let's, okay. again, talk okay. more about you guys. <laughs> this is about you, not me. Okay, all um, right. So, so, um, so you did that whole thing, obviously, with Soul Train, and then, um, uh, tell me what happened after that. I mean, you guys went pretty much through the 80s, I think, right? But then you sort of disconnected but got back together. So walk me through some of that if you can. Maybe, James, you can touch upon that. Yeah, well, you know, after, you know, Soul Train, well, what, what happened, uh, we have to kind of, like, back up a little bit because, uh, like, around what happened around 1975, right when we were starting to get things uh, moving, and Stax Records, in 1975, uh, Stax Records ended up closing. Right. And right. Uh, we happened to be one of the last acts uh, to really be, you know, to leave the label. I mean, you know, actually we didn't leave. They they closed the doors. They locked. Actually, I mean, yeah. Yeah, they padlocked the doors. And, you know, we kind of like didn't have a home after then. Until 19, uh, over in 1976, uh, we got 
approached by Mercury Records. Uh, the mm-hmm. president at the time was a guy by the name of Charlie. I started to say Charlie Wilson, but it wasn't Charlie Wilson. Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> it was Charlie Fash. A guy by the name of Charlie Fash uh, came down to Memphis. He saw the barcades. He, he auditioned us. You know, he, he saw us at the club, and he said, hey, he was going to sign us. Uh, the first song that we did around that time was a song called Shake Your Rump to the Funk. Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we wrote that song, and uh, in 1976 that thing came out, and that really started the ball to rolling for us. Again, you know what I mean? Right, mm-hmm. right, when, when that happened. From that point on, uh, the gold and platinum albums started to happen. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And we went on just, uh, oh, man, for about 10 years straight, just just the roller, hit, just hits, 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 hits. hits yeah, hits. and and I mean, you've got like uh, five gold, I think one platinum. You've Correct. got right. uh, twenty top ten singles and albums, I believe, right? Absolutely. Right. I mean, so I mean, this longevity, this fifty-year history here is just unbelievable. Uh, let me back up one second here, and okay. uh, both of you can chime in because there might be some folks out there that don't know the real stack story. Mm-hmm. If we can crystallize that and talk about, you know, the, the name was, you know, the two people who owned it combined together to come up with stacks, but that was really back in the day a uh, an interracial uh, multicultural studio, but tell us just a little bit about that from a historical perspective. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You know, it, it, it was amazing <clears throat> to see, you know, to see black and white people come together, uh, especially in, you know, in Memphis, Tennessee. I mean, you know, the, the, yeah. the, you know, the, the uh, racial tension here was just uh, like amazing. And, you know, to be at a place like Stax Records where black and white people would come together and make music that, you know, that became internationally known is just simply amazing within itself. Yeah, the history. I mean, Martin Luther King, 1968, yeah. April 4th, mm-hmm. 1968. Absolutely I mean, right. It killed almost literally in the backyard here. I mean, you know, it's right. I mean, very close to where we are right now. Right. So <clears throat> you, you had all that as a backdrop to all this. And, you know, the amazing thing about that, the, the day that that happened, uh, the Bar case happened to be in the studio. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, uh, you, you know... Uh, in the Stack Studio, right? In the Stack Studio, right, right yeah. over here on Macklemore. Absolutely, on Macklemore, Tennessee. What happened was uh, the, they had ordered National Guard, and so p- people had a curfew, and so we were in the studio, so we could not leave the studio and go home. So we spent the night in the studio. So we just said, "Hey, since we're here in the studio, we're just gonna rehearse and record since we can't go anywhere." You see what I'm saying? Right, right. Yeah, because I mean, they had like right outside of Stack's uh, Studios, they had. Uh, you know, soldiers walking up and down the street. They had uh, uh, tanks, you know, armored uh, cars and tanks right outside of Stacks, right there at College of Macklemore. Gee whiz. Yeah. Well, you, you go ahead, Larry. Well, I was about to say, though, you know, there's something very special to be said, not only about the Barcades, but about Stacks. Now, understand that, and I, and I say this in all with all sincerity, black and white people got along better inside of those walls much better than one would think. Uh, think of all the, b- besides, b- the Barcades have always been an interracial group. From mm-hmm. the very beginning, mm-hmm. uh, Ronnie Caldwell was the white guy playing, who changed, left his white school, and came to to uh, a school in the ghetto to be Booker with Washington. Booker Washington's school. Booker in T. Texas. Washington. He left yeah, his school Booker T. Washington. to come and join a school where his fellow uh, band members played, 
uh, Booker T and MGs, two black guys, two white guys, the Marquis. All of these were interracial groups that played on all of the Stax music. So you see, Stax has always been a melting pot. We didn't, nobody cared about uh, black and white. It was just, we, we, we making great music, soulful music. What goes on outside the walls is outside the walls. Was it, was it early marketing genius? Because if you really think about it, if you really think about this, I think about this sometimes. I'm not a performer. I tried to play the violin at one point in my life, you know, and that was really a, a miserable failure. But, I mean, um, my question is, from a marketing perspective, you know, when you're fusing people, different folks coming together with different types of ideas about how things can be blended to really sound great. I mean, you think about black and white, or you think about young and old. I mean, you know, you're talking about now, just stay contemporary. I mean, you guys are sort of like the elder statesman of yeah. Barquets, mm, but you've right. got some younger folks. You're blending that. You know, now you, you see country music fusing with, with, with rap. I mean, it's all this stuff. Is it sort of a marketing thing, too? Because to me, I think it's genius. Another example is Brazilian music. I mean, you've got Sergio Mendes, you know, who's uh, hooking up with, I think, uh, Indiari, people like that, and sort of doing this great music that becomes multicultural. More ears listen to it. Right. I, I, was it I, that? Well, and I, I, I think some of it is, and I think it's a lot of it is genius trying to find genius. I, I, oh, watched, wow. I watched Ray Charles toward the end of his career. Mm -hmm. Some of the things that I think lurked in the back of his mind was was to just do duet albums with some of the people he admired. Yes. I don't think he thought so much about the marketing aspect. I think it was something in his heart, people he yeah. felt that he loved to listen to before he got on down the dusty trail, he wanted to do those things. I look at Michael McDonald and his mm. his series of Motown. I think that's something he desired to do because right. he had a respect for Motown. Okay. Uh, you understand my point? Yeah, exactly. I think so, it's yeah. genius looking for things to grab. Well, in a way, it's connectivity and, and vibrations Absolutely. and coming together. And, and it comes out as marketing, and perhaps or, some or, of it is. Or, yeah. or maybe it's post-marketing because what happens is that it also probably bumps the numbers. I mean, you know, oh, it's, oh, it's, a, it's yeah, a wonderful of fusing uh, of different types of functions, if you will, or different types of genres, what have you, and it's a pretty cool thing. And really how, can cool. you, how can you not feel that? How can you not feel exactly? When uh, when those guys do that, I mean, how can you not feel when Ray Charles is singing with uh, any one of those ten or twelve people that he chose to well, do yeah, stuff with? Well, yeah, it's really interesting because Tony Bennett is doing this thing Absolutely. with duets, and and I love it, man. I mean, he's it's just eighty like, what five years about old, eighty five. I think that's yeah. something that's in Tony Bennett's mind. He probably listens in his spare time or in his private time. He loves those people. Right, right. A little bit of it may be marketing, but he see it, he sees it has worked, but it's probably something he is having a great time in doing. It's it's in here first. Yeah, and how right. can it that's, not work? That's that's great. That is that's phenomenal. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So uh, back in uh, two thousand and three, when I really first met you guys, right, used to be in the economic development business around here, and. Mm -hmm. You came down and did a big show for people <laughs> from all over the country who basically promoted downtowns. Right. And, man, Larry comes out on stage. I'll never forget it. My son was in the audience. He was just a little he guy. He sure was. He was a little guy, man, a <laughs> little guy, right? He's 17 now. But anyway, or 16, I assume that he's 17. But, man, when you brought that snake out, 
Come on. I mean, I mean, how big is the snake? Where is the snake now? What's well, the snake doing? The snakes are much bigger. They're, they're much bigger. Uh, oh, it, so it's a group of snakes. It's plural. Oh yeah, I have. I mean, let me just let me just put to rest whatever falsehoods oh. are out there. The snake is just something that we do just to. Um, Add a little spice. Add a little spice <laughs> yeah. to the show. We only use them in the last five minutes of the show, so you have to stay to see the whole show to yeah. see the snake. Yeah, and now that's nothing occult about it at all. It's, but that's marketing. That, that is marketing. <laughs> now that's marketing. Now that's marketing. That's <laughs> right. exactly right. We sort of stumbled up on that. You know, we used to keep on the bus just to watch him eat. Ooh, and, it, okay. and it just as a pastime. And I said, you know what? I wonder what would happen if I just bring him out on stage. I did one night, and from that night on, it got out in the press that the snake had to be Alice Cooper ain't the, Alice Cooper ain't the only one got a snake. No, yeah, more. right, 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 right. Wild guy Larry Dawson's got. Well, a you snake. know, this is the first time I, I've heard about snakes on a plane, but first time about snakes on the bus. <laughs> so I mean, you know, <laughs> it's a little bit but that, different. But it's it's it's, it's <laughs> just simply something that's the coolest thing in the world. You know, he's he's a big he's a part of the Barcades now. Yeah, but you know, the the it was just such an energizing. Uh, conference. We had this big conference, and these people were judging us. How's your city downtown? And man, you guys just took it above the top. I mean, we had we were throwing beads down on Beale Street, you know, to go into the pavilion where you played. And when they got there, you guys did this Memphis Soul Review type of a thing. Right. All the Memphis sounds and the songs. Uh, I think you even crossed over and did a little bit of stuff from High Records, as I recall. Absolutely. But I mean, it was it was just uh, it's just consummate love, professionalism. Uh, Love and happiness, and some of that. We get carried away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. I mean, and you've got that type of thing going on here in Memphis. I mean, virtually. I remember the days, and you guys have to remember this too, when you could walk in downtown Memphis, and you would see the likes of maybe a Jerry Lee Lewis. You, 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 you'd see a, a Sam Phillips. I mean, you'd see, you know, you guys. I was standing one time. At, at what used to be uh, the place where we used to go get the videos before they all closed down. What, what was it called? Blockbuster. Blockbuster. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I turn around and Isaac Hayes is there, and I'm going, "Holy smokes!" I mean, yeah. you know, this yeah, is he's really. He's in there getting some videos, or renting some videos, huh? Yeah, he was in there yeah. running videos. I mean, you know, How I'm about like, that? Hey, "How you doing?" I'm like, "Whoa!" You know, I'm just <laughs> incredible stuff. You know, so it's really phenomenal. Um, Larry, let me go here for a second. Yeah. Um, because what I have not done, we got James's perspective on this, but you as a vocalist, you as a singer, you as a talent, where did that come from? Uh, what were the early days, how you developed that to be what you were and what you are today? Uh, let me just say this. You know, I, I've never had any formal training. It's just been something inside of me that just just wanted to sing. You know, I, I didn't really sing a lot in church. I was involved, I've always been involved in church. Uh, from the day James asked me to join the band and become the lead singer, uh, to be quite honest, I wasn't really ready for that. Mm -hmm. uh, they had a confidence in me that I actually didn't really have in myself at that time. They helped me to sort of mold and, and gain my confidence, and, and I did. Um, and from that point, because when I joined the band, they were in the process of writing the song, so I sort of got thrown into that position. And Alan helped me through that challenge, and uh, I hadn't recorded to that level ever before. Mm -hmm. But uh, over the years, I've I, I've gained confidence, and then uh, there's a Larry Dotson there that has become very evident to the people. I've, we've done 30 albums. 
and I and I've actually done all right. You know, uh, I'm a stylist. I'm not a I'm not a guy with the Luther Vandross voice, but I like <laughs> I would like to think of myself more like a, a, a with Sly Stone and and guys like you know Prince. We're stylists. We when you hear our voice, you know it. You right. Know, you sort of know it. And and there's a place for us out here. You know. Uh, and uh, we've we've gotten a lot of fans, and 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 James and I over the years have been very appreciative to that, and which has brought us to the point where now, in the latter days of our career, we're starting to reach out to other producers to come in and sort of um, help to keep us uh, in, uh, uh, with the with the uh, ear candy for radio that mm -hmm, still mm -hmm. keeps our fans liking us. And not sell out so much, so that that's what we do, you know. Now and that's why we're able to have top ten records here thirty albums later, you know. Yeah. And right. a bigger priority or, or uh, for us now is is our giving back. Yeah, exactly. Is our exactly. giving back to the community. And and you're doing that. In fact, I'm going to touch on that in just a second. Sure. I, I just want to though for our our viewing audience around the world uh, to hear just some of the titles of the songs that you've done. Just to digress for a second, shake your rump. To the funk, mm -hmm. attitude, move your boogie body. Mm -hmm. I've heard you doing mm -hmm. promos on oh, that. Oh, we with body, oh, body. Move your yeah, boogie a body. body. <laughs> okay. Got a bunch of body songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sexomatic, anticipation, freak show. On the dance oh my floor. God, freak show on the dance floor. Okay, right. um, hit and run. Uh, talks to me with her body. Too hot to stop. Of course, as we move into today's times, the one that is just still off the charts, still enjoyed by the president I hear. And his wife, I believe, grown ups right. like grown ups folks, do, folks. grown yeah. folks. I'm yes. sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Some of us can't. You know, we ha our our That's synapses okay. aren't firing that right. quickly. That's okay. We, we, give yeah, you yeah. we give you a hall pass. Yeah, yeah a hall pass on that. <laughs> but I mean, those are some of the songs that that have gotten you uh, uh, such uh, uh, such accolades in the business. But it's what you're saying now, though, Larry, that as you have evolved in your career, you're now at the point to uh, sort of give back. We've got about another 10 or 15 minutes. I want to I get into this real quickly. Um, you're giving back now. Um, you know, 50 years. This is a big year of celebration for you. I think you guys are going to crystallize it and culminate it at the end of this year. Uh, you're going to have some big activities going on. We'll talk a little bit about that. But you're giving back to some foundations and some organizations. Is that right? We call them Fab right. Five, and I think I'll let James tell you about our Fab, Fab Five. Five. Fab Five, okay. Basically, uh, we came up with this idea called the Fab Five. I mean, we already had one uh, charitable organization that we were already passionate about and, and that we had been given for the last nine years, and that's LeMoyne on through our Barclays, uh, Alan Jones, Margie Barringer Scholarship uh, Program. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Lee, we have sent uh, about 15 kids to school. If not more. If not more over, over the years. But the other four, uh, Down Syndrome, uh, St. Jude, uh, the Stacks Academy and United Way, and these are all uh, uh, charitable organizations that we are passionate about. And you know, one of the things that that, that really uh, resonates with me is the fact that uh, you know we, uh, you know, we really we would be remiss not to give in the community that we serve. This is the community that we serve. This is our home. This is Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, you know, you, you know, we have the opportunity now to, to to give back in a great way, 
And, you know, what what better way we could do it, you know, at this point in our lives and at this point in our careers? Absolutely. It's like that old adage. I think it goes something like uh, to those to whom much has been given, much, much is, expected. is expected. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And that's where you are. That is a very cathartic thing to hear. And those organizations that you mentioned, yeah. uh, United Way, which, you know, is a big umbrella for folks who sort of fall outside of the the, 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 the net. You know, they it's a safety net, if you will, for the mm -hmm. community. Right. Uh, Moyne Owen College, I mean, a historically black college, a small mm -hmm. uh, here in Memphis, Tennessee, educating people. Mm -hmm. uh, you're talking about St. Jude. I mean, St. Jude saving kids' lives. Mm -hmm. uh, Stax, you know, Stax is doing such great things now. I know uh, you've been involved. David Porter is involved, who was, you know, Isaac's uh, co-writer on so many great songs from Stax. And Kirk Whalen was the president at one point. I think he's still, what, musical right. director there or something yeah, like he's that? Yeah, he's, 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 still, he's still involved with that. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and let Great me just things. add this too: is that one thing that, uh, that one thing that I learned a long time ago when you when kids uh, in school. I mean, what makes kids uh, stay interested in school? If they, if they go to school, if if they can be excited about going yeah. to school, I mean, you know, yeah, they might not be excited about algebra or geometry, so to speak. But if they know they're going to have a music class, and all of a sudden they'll just get engaged and get excited about going to school, period. I mean, you know. Right, they, right, exactly. You know, even though they're going to school so they can play that horn, you know, at, at, at recess or at, at band practice and so forth. But in the process, they get, you know, they'll get engaged about English and, yes, and, and math yes. and a lot of the other stuff. So I, I think it's very important to, uh, to, to keep all of that going, you know, and, uh, hey, we're here, and as long as uh, – as, as long as uh, – as my grandmother used to always say, as long as we suck air. She didn't say breathe air. <laughs> she said, as long as we suck air, we're gonna be we're gonna be out there, you know, you know, making it do what it do with, right. with those charitable organizations. Right, right. Want to uh, capture about two other things, and then we'll get ready to let you guys get out here and uh, go mm -hmm. uh, do some more music. But a um, couple things, uh, what you're doing now. Um, I want to hear about uh, what you're doing now. But let's start, before we do that, I know that you uh, recently did, I think, the uh, president's inaugural, uh, right? We did, and, we and, did. And you got to tell us about that experience. In fact, I think in some of your press uh, stuff that uh, Sherry Neely with the Neely Agency has so wonderfully put together. Um, yeah, she's so eloquent that does that. Absolutely. She, she talked about that was a, a, a very moving moment for both of you gentlemen. So your perspective on that, and I think we've actually got a little bit of uh, maybe footage or something that we can show as we oh, talk yeah? about it. Okay. Yeah, I think. It's one of those moments, I mean, you know, that you just die for. I mean, you know, to be asked, and might I say they had three choices. It was the Isley Brothers. It was the OJs and the Barcades, and they chose the Barcades to be wow. the uh, headlining entertainment for that night. So wow. that says a lot. It was just a rare moment, sold out. We had a great show. It was a great night for the group, and uh, the people just were just they knocked out. It. They loved it. Mm -hmm. It was a. It was just one of those, just nice. One of those nice. Right here, I think. Here we go. Right here. There you are. Wow, the White House. Mm. And the president, of course, you got to see him, talk to him. He didn't come him. to that one. He didn't come to that he one. He didn't come to that one. But, but James was there. James was back in the White House again later. Uh, in uh, April of uh, uh, of last year. Yeah. And, um, they, you know, the, the president had a, a series 
Call, you know, it's, it's, you know, Spotlight Memphis music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah that was exactly. there with Justin Timberlake and Sam Wolf, Sam and Dave. Right. Uh, okay. And uh, Steve Cropper and Booker T. Jones. Wow. Um, you know, Mavis Staples. That was a. Uh, you know, that was that was real hot. All all the all the folks. Wow, that must have been just amazing as well. Oh, yeah. No question. Man, what yeah. an experience! What an experience! Oh my goodness. Okay, now listen. Um, we're talking here, uh, 50th anniversary mm-hmm. Bar K's anniversary celebration, Golden, the Golden Celebration. This is, uh, a, yeah, that's that's one of the few things that you can get. That's our, our video collection. That's 50th anniversary video collection. Uh, you can only get that this year. This is the 50th anniversary of the Bar K's, 1964 to 2014. Uh, we're going to culminate this with uh, a gala on December the 4th. December 4th. At the Kennison. That's okay. okay. We can talk about it. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. Kennison in Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, And, of course, we have another CD, which is, uh, that's, we put together uh, our ballad collection, all those slow jams. (laughs) And 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 these are 50th anniversary pieces that you can only get at our concerts, no matter where we are all over the world this this year. And you have gone to all Parts of the world Absolutely. is that right? Oh Absolutely. yeah, we, all we, parts of the world. Man, we've gone all in here where the Diddy is, is is broadcast all over the world. Yeah, for our fans that they're listening uh, live now, looking live now, uh, you can just catch us all over the world this year. Wow, north, wow. south, east, and west, we've been and performed. <laughs> are you afraid to say uh, some of your favorite spots? I mean, you, or do you want to oh. do that, or I mean, what are some of your favorite spots? I think, James? man, believe it or not, one of my favorite spots would be would have to be Japan, man. Japan, we yeah, love Japan. Uh, Tokyo, in in Tokyo. particular. Okay, yeah, that's just one of my favorites too. Uh, yeah, I like Pareto, Italy. You know, we, we uh, perform yeah. there. I think you might you might have to put it back. Yeah. Uh, there we go. Japan may be my favorite. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, um, but I like Peretta Italy. You know. Yeah, and Peretta is where Rufus used to do uh, yes. performances too, right? Rufus right. Thomas, Rufus Funky right. Chicken, yeah. uh, Walk chicken. the Dog. Yeah, yeah. right. In fact, uh, in Peretta Italy, there's a park called the Rufus Thomas Park. <laughs> right. The Rufus Thomas Park. In fact, they changed the festival. The festival is now called the Rufus Thomas Peretta uh, Italy Soul Music Festival. They have an wow. uncanny appreciation for soul music. Yeah, we. We love it there. And matter of fact, uh, when we went two years ago, that was the first time that Ben Carly and James and myself had played together in uh, 25 years. Holy smokes. It was incredible. We had a unbelievable. Gr- unbelievable. What a beautiful thing. Being what on a stage beautiful together. thing. Absolutely. Okay, well, now listen, gentlemen. Um, for those of uh, our viewing audience who want to beyond this uh see more about you and learn more about your history of course you know you could always do a google piece but if you wanted them to contact you to find out more about you know maybe where you're going to be performing oh, uh, yeah, maybe in their part of the world what do, who, who do they contact james they can go to our website they can yes, go sir. to www.thebarcase that's b-a-r dash k-a-y-s dot com okay they can go there and check it out and then they can listen to my mouth they can listen to my mouth tell, tell them about a concert that we're going to be doing, really, Lee, next week. 
Yeah, I, I've heard about that. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And they'll be able to see some of that. I mean, if they don't come to it physically, they'll probably see some clips of it or whatever on oh, yeah, YouTube or on, what have it, you. It'll be, you on, know? it'll be on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. It'll, be, it'll be somewhere. It'll be sure. someplace in, yeah, in this Twitter. global world that we have, absolutely, right. if not mm -hmm. on Diddy TV. But, but we want you to check out Diddy TV all the time. All the uh, time. Yeah. Uh, get your Diddy on. There right, you get go. your Diddy on. They get can follow us on, on Facebook and Twitter yeah. uh, and all the other social medias. Right. Yeah, yeah. Now, let me ask you one other thing, too, that mm -hmm. I failed to mention in the beginning. I, I, I may have missed it. How did the name Bar Caves come about? Did, did we talk about that? Bar no, Caves. Do you want, the real, because, do you want I, the real story or do you want a story? I, I, I want the real story. <laughs> we'll crystallize it. You, you know, I remember that uh, there was a guy who used to introduce you guys. And I think his name was Cato. And Cato Walker. Yeah, yeah, Cato Walker. He's the ball. Okay, remember that? I mean, yeah. he would just like lead up to it for a minute and a half. And the, the crowd was just, bring him on, bring him on. You know, it was it was just frenetic. But I'll, go ahead and I'll tell me a James story. Tell you James, and then we'll go. A story. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's, it's two or three different stories how that name came about. Uh, first of all, the first one is the fact that uh, we were driving along the street one day and we saw this. Barcotti rum sign. Barcotti. And so we say, man, you know, we take parts of this and make this. And, and, <laughs> and so that's that's one story. That's how we became the Barcades. The okay. other one was the fact that uh, growing up, you know, we always wanted to own a ranch. And we said, you know what, if, if we ever get to the point in time where we can own a ranch, we're going to call it Barcade Ranch. And, and, and then, you know, it's just like Kingfish, you know, with Amos and Andy. <laughs> Things that make you go, hmm. hmm. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. This might say, this sounds like a good name for a group. So that's, you know, that's, that's, that's another story. story. That's two of the stories. I think he might have the other story. I don't, that's enough. But <laughs> I, I, no, there's one more. There's one more. They were going to a concert, didn't have a name. And there's a rum called Barclay Rum. Oh, okay. Okay, okay that's right. This may that's be closer right. to the truth. Okay, okay. And they took the... BR. They took the C and they put a K there. Okay. I understand. They're going to a concert. They didn't have a they didn't going, have a name for a didn't group. Didn't have a name. Guys okay. going to a show. Right. Going to a show. Okay. okay. Yeah. So the big sign bar clay wrong. There you go. And they looked up, you know, and that's probably closer to the truth. Okay. Yeah. Well, whether a, a club or a ranch, I mean, you know, it's the bar case. <laughs> the, the bar case. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so listen, uh, guys, I really appreciate it. We appreciate it we here appreciate on TV. Being and and we appreciate you coming to join us today. And uh, this is a cool set too. We, this is yeah. The Diddy set is something is too else. Much. This makes know, us so. want to play. Can we come back and play sometime? Uh, yeah, okay. Okay. Hey, the, right. guys, the guys that run it back here in the back, and they're great, by the way. Ronnie, and you, know, you got Doug, Fantastic and you got guys. You got Lon, and I think great. Reb is still back there. Maybe mm, Mateo. Uh, I mean, they're all here. Kind of like do like a little unplug. Unplug thing, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is so cool. Yeah. So cool. It's all happening right here, and it's on Diddy TV. And again, thanks so much to James Alexander and my friend Larry Dotson with the Bar. <laughs> Let's do it together. Let's do it now. The, the bar. Barcades. Ninety-two percent of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. Ninety-two percent because of a bike. Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess. For elite athletes only. 
right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 